Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're having a wonderful week. So remember that you can go to my main website at www.pastlifelady.com. And if you would like to learn more about the classes I teach, you can find those at healingarts.thinkific.com. That's H E A L I N G A R T S dot thinkific, T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com. All right. I had a couple people write me and they said that they couldn't find my website. Later in the show, I usually have an intro that gives it out, but um, <laughs> I'll make sure to do it more often. Anyway, in other news, I have my new book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. That is coming out a week from tomorrow on May 8th. And so you can still pre-order that book now. And if you would like to come out to my virtual book launch, you are invited. You can come over and Zoom with me. To be honest, I think everybody is pretty well sick of Zooming by now, but guess what? This is the best we can do. So if you would like to Zoom with me, I would love to have you join me. Um, This is really funny, but the last time I did one of these parties, I gave the Zoom link out on my Facebook page and I ended up getting Zoom bombed. (laughs) Oh my God, that was so funny. It was hilarious. Um, It looked like some kids like in some other country, they were just goofing around. It it was cute, but I really don't want to be Zoom bombed, even though that was interesting. And if some of you don't know what Zoom bombing is, it means that somehow people we don't know came into our Zoom and they started like 
<laughs> making obscene noises and playing music and stuff. <laughs> uh, it kind of made my day. It made me feel really popular. <laughs> but then I realized the reality is they just picked it up off my Facebook page. Speaking of which, my Facebook fan page, I have two, I actually have three of them. The main one that I use is Past Life Lady. So you just go to facebook.com slash Lady. And I've got another one, um, which is Shelly Care. And that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-K-A-E-H-R. And then I've got another one called Egyptian Energy Healing. And I've got an Egyptian Energy Healing group. And in that group, and on that page, we talk about um, the Edgar Casey's Egyptian Energy Healing, as well as Pythagorean Healing and my new... Um, Heliopolis and Memphis Triad, and I've got more books in that series coming as well. So that's a little bit about how to get in touch with me. I would love to see you come out and hang out with us during one of our Zoom parties. So this one's going to be on um, Sunday, March 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. Central on Zoom. And so because I was Zoom bombed, if you want to come to this, then you need to send me an email and my email address is Shelly at ShellyCare.com. So that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-K-A-E-H-R.com. I do not like Facebook Messenger. I hate to say that, but I just it's just too much for me to keep up with. I mean, I'm sure it works fine. It's just I don't have time to keep track of all that. So I still use my old email address. So if you can email me, that would be wonderful. All right. So now back to the show today, we've got an amazing guest, R. James Case, and he's got a really awesome book about fear. You know, fear is actually embedded within us to keep us safe like if we were being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger or something like that, it's kind of embedded into our DNA. But in modern society, we're fearful of all kinds of things that are not actually life-threatening, but those things can actually hold us back. And um, our James Case has a really amazing new book. I read it. I really recommend it. And so we're going to have a really interesting and important and incredibly timely with everything that's going on right now, discussion about fear and the role fear plays in our lives. So let's settle in and check it out. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So we are exploring consciousness and one of the biggest roadblocks that all of us face is fear. And my author friend today, who you are going to think is wonderful, as I do, is R. James Case. He's got an incredible book called Fear is a Choice. It is amazing. It's well done. We're going to talk about the book today. Uh, R. James Case, we'll call him Jim. He is a successful podcaster. He's run a spiritual center. He lives in Denver, Colorado with his husband, Michael. And your book was a joy, Jim. I can't say enough about the fact that we need this right now. So how did you come to write the book? Oh, wow. So it's been an interesting evolution. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great to be here. And I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Shelly, and, and talk about these good things. Um, so <laughs> I, 
had a center in San Diego for five, six years, something like that. Um, and the process of that center uh, is the work that I do, the science of transformation. It is, it is a process of activating and stimulating the prefrontal cortex of the brain and, and helping people to ultimately shift out of a fear-based consciousness to an opportunity-based consciousness. So while I was in that, in the throes of that, I had one client in particular who every time he came in for a session would say, you you know, because what the process was guests come on, they, they, or guests come in, <laughs> clients come in, they, uh, I get my, my, my show and my stuff all confused. So I clients come in, would come into the office, we would spend whatever time was necessary kind of debriefing from the last session. So, because a large part of the work is helping to reframe people's experience, and we can get into that at another point. But um, so he would regularly say, "Jim, you should record this. Jim, you should really record this." And I'm like, "It happened so spontaneously, and it just felt really weird to me, like to have a recorder on somewhere that I would start listening to myself and go, oh, good, I want to listen to myself some more.'" Um, <laughs> and so uh, that evolved. Um, and, and I always said that, that and, and other clients said it to me too, you know, you should really write a book. And I'm like, I don't know what I'd write a book about. I don't, I don't have any inclination to write a book. I, I just, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. And um, I was, uh, Michael and I had gone to uh, get a, a getaway up in Parker in Arizona. And uh, we were on our way home and um, I was driving. And as I was driving down the freeway, um, honest to God, driving down the freeway, the next thing I know, I'm looking at the title of the book and then page after page after page, just sort of flying through my head. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And I, and I looked at Michael and I, Michael, uh, I think I'm writing a book. Um, <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm, I'm literally, I'm watching this whole process going on. And it, it was just remarkable. And I mean, it wasn't detailed, but it was very specific in, in what I was seeing, I was very clear about. And I thought, all right, well, that was that has been my thing all along. If I am inspired to it, I'm, I'm there 100%, whatever it is, because that, that inspiration is taking me where I need to go. And I came home and uh, spent the next week sitting in front of the computer getting absolutely nowhere. Couldn't, I mean, nothing. Not, it was as if nothing ever happened. And, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would all that happen? And then I can't do anything with it. So then I went um, not long after, well, that went on for months, um, literally it went on for two or three months where I just went, this is, this is silly. I mean, I, I said, okay, and what's going on? So I went down to visit a friend of mine in Mexico who was an author who'd written a couple books and, and kind of knew the process. And I was sharing with him the inspiration that I had and it was exciting. And, and he looked across the table at me and he said, Jim, you just got to do the work. And I stopped and went, wait, wait a second. I've been saying that exact phrase, those words, that exact phrase, I must have said easily 10 times a day, every day for the past five, six years at that point, um, because I was dealing with clients every day and they would push and resist. And I, you know, and I said, just do the work. That's all. You do the work, you get the results. It's really, it's really that simple. So him feeding that back to me was another, another key kind of like, Oh, I'm getting my own medicine. Pay attention. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we need to hear things from somebody besides ourselves. Oh my goodness. So in that moment was, was another thing. I'm all about connecting dots. I call it connecting dots. And in that moment of clarity was also more clarity of, oh, I've never written a book. 
I have no idea what the process of writing a book is. I have no idea. I, I've never done it. So why would you approach it like you know what you're doing? And I went, oh, oh. So I'm not receiving this. I'm trying to demand it out of my system. It showed up. Why can't, darn it, give it to me. And I went, oh my gosh. So it came back from that trip. And I mean, it was a couple of days. It came back literally the next morning. You know, that point when you wake up, when you come back into your body the first, at the beginning of, right when you come back the, at, the, at, at, at the very beginning. Beginning's not the right word, but yeah, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, you're in that receptive <laughs> and, state. Yes, and I heard a phrase, the phrase, the phrase was, I want to take you on a journey. And um, that phrase was loaded, meaning it wasn't just, I, I could, I, the phrase got me all kinds of excited, but it got me excited because of everything I was feeling behind the phrase. And I went, holy crap, okay, take a deep breath. You know, so I got up, got my morning tea or whatever it was and sat at the computer and started, I started with that sentence. I want to take you on a journey. 20 pages later, I looked up and went, oh my gosh, holy cow. And then every day or every other day for the next few months, I would, that would happen. I would get a concept in my head. I would get a thought. I would have an idea that was very limited in its, in its presentation, but it was that same idea of what was behind it. And every time I'd sit down and I'd start at that point, it would just unfold and I would, I would just keep going. And then uh, a very, very dear friend of mine, um, who I actually went to high school with, um, happens to be a, a, an incredible editor. And I started sending her the stuff and said, would you mind, you know, kind of helping me pull this together so that, it, that, uh, that my concepts are cohesive and what I'm saying is making sense. And, and she was extraordinary and went through the entire book with me. And then the book sat for a year and a half, a little over maybe two years um, with me grousing the entire time. <laughs> like, well, okay, now I complain because I got this download and I was supposed to do something with it. I finally figured out what to do with it. And now it's just nothing, it's sitting. Um, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? So I started to incorporate it into, into, the, into my program and, and it worked very well because at that stage, you know, I could, I could lay chapters in at different points throughout the program and they really work beautifully. And that made me feel really good. So I'm like, that's awesome. I can use this really, really well, but it's still supposed to be a book. Right. Um, but this is what I'll do for now. And um, a buddy of mine, Moshe had written the same, the same guy who was my client had written a book in the meantime um, called the Amari wave. And he had worked with an editor. He introduced me to her. Um, I reached out to her to work with her. And this was in November of 2018, I think. Yes. 2019. Yeah, I think it was 2018. And um, she, I, I, reached, I reached out to her. This was in November. She immediately sent me the date. I'm very interested, but I can't even talk to you till, no, till February because my calendar is so booked. No problem. A year later, a year later, January, I reached back out to her because now I was able to go forward with working with her. And um, a year later, January, I sent her a note. She responded to me as if we had just talked a month ago. She remembered me. She remembered my book. She remembered all of it. And we hadn't talked anywhere in the scheme of things other than that initial connection over a year before that. Wow. Um, and then, of course, the dynamic from there, as I think I was describing, was just extraordinary. This person who could, who could speak in my voice, who, who, as an editor, was willing to go into my space to understand the work and then 
could, you know, so, so the cool thing is that the book sat for a year and a half. So when we went back into deep editing, I didn't have to, I didn't have to read her corrections. I could read the work and I could, by virtue of the energy of what was written, if there was a word or a phrase that didn't hit right, I could then flip over to the corrections to see if something had been misinterpreted or if the concept had somehow been changed. So the editing process became like miraculous because it was only about where, where we were in, where, where she may not have understood the concept that I was presenting and so was offering something different. And in my reading of it, it was like, oh no, that just went sideways, what happened? Click over to the edits and go, ah, there it is. She changed that word, that word's really significant. And then I could respond to her, here's why. You know, anyway, that's the long-winded version. But, um, but yeah, it was extraordinary. It was, it was a magical process that uh, one, I never thought it'd be in. And now that it has happened, it's, it's by far one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life um, that I literally, di I, I did that. Um, it still makes me fill up, you know, and, and, and become very emotional because it's, it, it's breathtaking how it unfolded. Um, you know, listening to you, Jim, is so interesting because um, when I was a little kid, I used to tell people, well, I'm going to write a book someday. Oh, yeah. Like, well, OK, you know, well, why don't you? You know, and it was always like, no, I'm just not ready to do it yet. And I agree with you. Like, I've had books kind of just appear like almost mm -hmm. holographically. But I've always come to understand that these books are born. And so in these spaces mm -hmm. that like the ones you described where it's sitting there for years and years and we're beating ourselves up. I mean, <laughs> I feel like things are meant to be out and these books are born and they come into the world at a time that they're meant to be here. And I'm telling you, your book is incredibly timely right now. It blows this is my what mind. people need to hear. Blows my mind, the timing of it. I mean, their book, uh, I released the book on September 29th of 2020. So it's only been out since for four months or three months or whatever it is now. Um, yeah, and, and the timing, I mean, we pushed, it actually got pushed back actually in, the, in, in our process of the editing and putting it together. Um, she came, because originally I wanted to release it on my birthday, which is in August. So I thought, what an amazing thing. I could have a book release on my birthday. What a great gift to myself. And, and in concept, that's lovely, but the work is about the work, not about me. So it was like, when, when she came back and was like, yeah, I don't know that we're gonna make it by then. And here's why I went, oh, well, fine whatever, let's go September or wherever we need to go, because that's when it's going to be, to me, that's when it's going to be the most impactful or the most necessary, because I know I didn't, I mean, it came through me. I know that for sure. Yes. Um, I know because of my experience, why it came through me. Um, but I know for a fact that it isn't, it, it, it is, it, it was created through me. And, and I think that's, that's the biggest piece of it. So staying connected to that part of it really helped the process enormously because I wasn't in battle about, I got to make a buck off this book. I got to, I got to get right. famous off this book. Those right. things may happen, but that's not why the book was written. Right. Well, there you go. They could be a wonderful byproduct. Yes. Be welcomed. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the fact that you had the vision, that's just really divine. And I think there is something when source universal manager god says okay we need our james case to do this right now and the way it comes through you is going to be different than how anyone else could have brought that through and um yeah. it's just so needed and and it is a divine process and when we're younger 
you know, we think, okay, we've got to control everything. We've got to make <laughs> these things happen. Yeah. I think no matter who we were, the year 2020 taught us one thing, which is that we don't have a lot of control over some things. And at some point you just have to throw your hands up and just say, okay, universe, I'm just ready for whatever's coming. And these, the, in a book process, especially um, what you've described, I can just say, yes, I yeah. hear you, my friend, I hear you. I can jump up and down and pitch a fit all I want, but the thing is gonna come out when it needs to come out. And this one, like I said, if everybody needs to check out what you've said here, because you've really done a great job of you know, unpacking the luggage of mm -hmm. the deepest places within ourselves where these fears are kind of hiding away and, and just helping people kind of unpack all the different sources of that. One of the ones that really um, resonated with me mm -hmm. was your discussion on organized religion and how uh -huh. this brings up a lot of embedded beliefs that it's very hard for people to deal with. And they struggle with this sometimes their whole lives. Would you mind sharing your insights on that? Because I very deeply resonated with that. Sure. I, I, you know, the thing, the first thing to understand is that I, I don't have a, um, anytime I present concepts, it, it, it is rarely ever one side bashing another. Right. Um, I have, I have a current client and have had many clients who are devout Christians, devout Catholics, devout Mormons, uh, 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 Latter-day Saints people. Um, so, I understand belief. I understand the necessity of, of wanting a structure. Um, but how I see how I see religion has done us damage is that the dogma of the religion is where the challenge lie. Because our desire, I think, to get in, to, to step into religion is a desire to understand the moreness of who we are, the, the the greatness of who we are, that divine spark of who we are. Then because of the way we are brought through into the world, we begin to, these, this, this structure begins to take over. And the, the structure of religion, unfortunately, while it's couched in love, is driven in fear. So it makes it really challenging and it makes it really kind of an oxymoron to participate because you're trying to express why you're being afraid and the two don't, the two don't occupy the same space and can't. Um, they're, they're in mutually, it's two different worlds. So you either have to buy the fear or you have to step away from the paradigm because if you don't buy the fear, it's very hard to adjust to. I think more and more people are getting better at it. Um, but there are so many ways now that you can, you can evolve your own spirituality and you can evolve your connection to God and you can evolve your relationship with however you see it. You know, whether it's Jesus, whether it's God, whether it's Buddha, whether it doesn't matter. It's the dogma that creates the issue. It's the structure that creates the fear. People don't want to believe that religion was created by man when it was. They don't want to believe that the Bible was written by men when it was. <laughs> it There's was translated. That. Yeah, it was translated by men. It was written by men. It was an interpretation just like any other text. There's a lot of powerful information that still remains in that text, but the work you have to do to get to it makes it less palatable to me. Right. Because I can't, you know, at this stage in my life, having, having done my own personal process and work, I, when I encounter anything, and it doesn't matter if it's a book, if it's a 
if it's a, 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 a seminar, if it's a, anything like that. I struggle because I focused so much in wanting to be in truth for my own life that when it goes sideways, I'm out. I, I, have, I can't stay connected to the energy anymore. So somebody could be giving a really wonderful speech and talking about wonderful things and there's a structure, a, 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 a thing in their, in their belief system that causes the, the energy to kind of go sideways a little bit. And that's okay, but when it continues to go sideways, it's tough to stay with it because it went from being a clear message of, of intention to a fear-driven message based on beliefs that they're not even paying attention to. Um, and I don't know if I went the long way around there, but so the religious piece of it, the, 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 the piece about religion is seek your spirituality, seek your, seek your connection. Um, it doesn't matter where you seek it, just be aware of what you're seeking it from. Um, because if it's causing you to have to work harder, that doesn't make sense. Um, because that's not, I don't see that as the point of us being here. I, I believe the freedom is the continual evolution of the freedom and the release from fear is what's important. But we are all at different junctures and different pathways in this experience. Right. So um, you may not be looking for what I'm looking for. So that serves your that serves your need until it doesn't. It served my need until it didn't. I was I was this far from being a priest in the Catholic Church. Um, I went to a cat, private Catholic college and lived in a seminary for six months, and and that and that particular episode ended with um, an attempted suicide and 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 uh, a lot of things that I probably didn't want, but brought me to the conclusion that, yeah, that's not my path. <laughs> yeah, this whole bonk. Yeah. The two by four, which I guess happens to a lot of people. We have to get hit over the head with what we don't want so we can get on to the right path. Sometimes, sometimes. I've just grew up in a very eclectic family that my parents just taught me, you know, it's not right for me to think, okay, my way is the only way and your mm -hmm. way is, you're just what, going to burn in a fire? I mean, so I've just been raised to believe and think like that. So when I read that in your book, I just want to say I appreciated it. I just feel like, you know, all people have goodness within oh, them. Good. There's, there's yeah. always, of course, some bad apples. We know that, but I feel like most people have goodness within them and everyone is trying to get to the same place on some level to find greater happiness and peace in their lives. And just because you have a different color of wrapping paper on your package than I do or whatever, we're all yeah. kind of striving to go to that same place. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, I've worked with also very devout um, people of all different faiths. And I just, I don't know, for me, I can just hold all of them in kind of a I don't want to say neutral, but just just this respecting inclusivity. I've just always grown up like that. I, it's just I don't understand the hatred that gets directed at different yeah. groups and things like that. Nor do I understand, you know, some of the clientele that I've worked with. There, that is a huge struggle for them. Is the actual issue of fear and where it comes from, which your book is pointing out, is from you know. Are how we were raised, the different religious beliefs in some cases that are so deeply embedded within um, just what we're doing every day that it's really hard to peel back those layers. And that, that's another thing you talked about in the book I really like, that we need to kind of dial back and, and just kind of observe ourselves and say, okay, so what am I doing right now and why 
am I doing these things? Like for what reasons and kind of like really dissecting ourselves so that we can start to change beliefs and change behaviors and move out of things that are creating more fear. So you could you talk about that? That was really cool. Oh, so I know that's a lot. <laughs> no, it's okay. So I, I want to, um, yes, I, I, I'll start where, I, where my mind was going. So I was reminded of, of a conversation that I had one time. Uh, I, I would do groups once a month um, with clients so that people could meet each other. And, and it was just another way to continue the supportive process. Right. But at one point, one of the clients looked at me and said, so how do you do this? How do you, how do you, how do you deal with these people that come, you know, your people come to you, they're broken, they're, they're, they're messed up, they're having trouble, they're confused, whatever, whatever it is they're dealing with. But how do you do that day in and day out? And it doesn't affect you. And I stopped for a second and went, I don't know if I understand that question. Um, and the reason I don't understand it is because I don't see them as broken. So I don't get where you're coming from. People who come into me are dealing with whatever they're dealing with, but that doesn't make them broken. It doesn't make them anything less than absolutely magnificent beings. And that's what I respond to. That's what I am looking for. That's what I seek because everything else, if, I, if, if we are together in that viewpoint, that's where we'll end up because our intention creates that. Everything else has to change for that to take place. Everything that's not in alignment with that perspective has to shift. So if I'm holding a space of your wholeness and you are doing the best you can with that until you understand and feel it, then we are holding, all I'm doing is adding my energy to your intention to help lift it up a little firmer so that you can start to create into that space. So um, that was that was the, the the first part of it. Refresh me because I realized that I think I got too caught up in that. So no, I want to hear this. Is like, the next so there's part so of much your... good here. I was just talking about um, the part where you're saying I need to write down like what I've made a lot of notes. Um, I need to write down like what what am I doing at any given moment and why am I doing it. Maybe I'm just doing actions, like why we have to actually observe what we're doing instead of just living unconsciously in our own lives. And we, we can start to say, well, I'm doing X, Y, Z because, you know, my boss told me to, or because, yeah. you know, I just been doing it like this. I don't know how to stop, even though I don't like doing it. And just kind of becoming more consciously aware of what we're actually doing and then dialing into that. Is this bringing joy and happiness mm -hmm. or is this some kind of place that's coming from a very deep place of fear that you talk about and yeah. i just thought it was really profound um in terms well, of just I could, I, getting us to look at ourselves a little bit deeper so there's a basic a basic foundational piece for me um that is i call it feeling your way into things and yes. sometimes people resist that because they're like but why would i do that because that's where you're going to understand you in the process and in relation to what it is you're trying to understand or work through or talk about or feel or experience. But my world, in my world, I don't do anything I don't feel my way into anymore. And what I mean by that is that I'm coming into my office and I have, I have my list of things. And, and let me clarify, this list is just stuff that 
oh, I want to remember that later. I want to remember that later. I want to remember that because I'm not dealing with it now. Yes. So it's it's not a list of this is what you're doing tomorrow. This is a list of things I want to that that are that I'm being inspired to, and I want to see how they're going to unfold. So I write them down on my pieces of paper. Yes. So when I come in to do the work of my show or or do some writing or whatever the case may be, um, I always start with getting my space ready. That's the first thing of always before I came on your show. I spent. 45 minutes in, in my process of meditating and, and using breath and getting myself in to the most connected space I could to, to be here for this process. Right. I do that regularly. That's part of feeling into it because when I'm here, I'm completely accessible from both directions. So meaning I'm perfectly open to what's coming and I'm perfectly open to what, what comes through without any resistance. So feeling my way into, I come into my office in the morning, I get my tea, I'm like, okay, I, I know there was some stuff I wanted to attend to. So I'll come in and I'll take a look. I'll sit down and I'll go, oh, I think I'm gonna start looking at that. And I'll start to dive in and my energy will fall to the floor. My energy will just go, and I'm like, what was that about? Initially, it would really bother me. Um, it would really upset me because I'd be like, dang it, I've been, I was excited to do this. And sometimes I still have that response because, <laughs> because I may get excited about something. But what I ultimately started to realize was that drop in energy was, was my, my system saying, time out. You don't know enough information. You need more information or you really don't know what, this isn't the time. This is not the time for this activity. So I step away. Um, I may leave the office entirely or I'll change to something else or I'll, I'll, I'll hear something Something will niggle over here. Um, oh, send a note to this. And I'll be, oh, okay, whatever. And, and so I, I do that and suddenly I'm on a new track and I'm feeling my way. And now I'm moving in flow. Now I'm, I'm totally aligned with where my energy is and the things that I want to be involved in. And so I continue that process all day long. And I move from item to item in a very... Um, for me, I'm a very kind of ordered person, but I, I, I'm not a regimented person. So what I mean by that is I, I like things in their places and I like organization, and, and, um, but I let the flow dictate how that unfolds for me. So like I said, I make my, I put my list, but I don't decide that I let my energy and my focus decide where my, what is gonna be best attended to where I am in this moment at this time and then let that build my energy so that I'll, go, I'll come out three, four, five hours later from whatever I was doing and, and look at my list, excuse me, look at my stuff and go, oh, that's done. Oh, that's done. Oh, yes. that's done. Oh, that's done. I do oh, that. That's done. And then, and then the things that aren't done, I gain clarity on those. And now I rewrite them because what I wrote wasn't quite right for what I wanted to accomplish. And I go, oh, oh, there's the tweak. Chunk, and I change it and I put it back on my list and I get rid of the old list. And then the process continues. But that's not just about work. That's about everything. You know, right. I, if, I'm, if, if, if I'm going out to, if I'm being invited to a social activity or I'm gonna, uh, anything, I always stop and feel it always. I want to know what the energy feels like because that to me is going to, is going to dictate whether or not to engage for me. And, and I've yet in my own world, I've yet to be wrong about it. 
<laughs> you're right. <laughs> I mean, sense? I say, Jim, you're right. And the thing you talk about also <laughs> is that it's so easy for us to not listen to our own feelings and we just try to press on and push through and that's going to create just unhappiness and it's not going to be as successful, obviously, as when we yeah. listen to ourselves. Well, and it's that whole, you know, uh, the self-help industry for many, 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 many years was all was well, was well driven, which is just another form of ego. Right. It's not a it's not a separate higher form of anything. It's will is the use of ego to create force instead of momentum that is created through the inspiration of be do have of being being in your space, being who you are and allowing that to be inspired to action. Because the thing that you want to get involved in, again, you know, it's that whole idea of, of we know this much, this much, I'm like the size of a quarter, you know, right. we know this much. And if you take your fingers away from the quarter and the quarter is in space, there's that much that can still be known. So who am I? Regard, I mean, yeah, it's my life. I, it is my life and I am creating it as I go. But who am I to limit myself from the potential that exists because I want to live in a, in a funnel of fear? That's craziness to me. Um, you know, because that funnel of fear that or I, I like to call them, in, I have these my fingers, you know, like you're looking through the telescope of your hands. Yes. This is this is what happens in fear. You have a very limited viewpoint. You have a very limited perspective, and you have a very limited possibility of connecting to your potential because your potential is not in limitation. So when you right. when you find those ways to break out the fear, those those blinders come open, and now you've opened to all of the potential that's available to you now. <laughs> yes. And I specifically say that because it changes as your energy changes, as your vibration changes, as you, as you open more and more, your potential and potentialities open more and more because now you're accessible from 360 degrees, if that's even relevant. You know what I mean? You, you, energy is, you're, you're accessible. Um, and that access, that accessibility is profound because now you spent the time listening to yourself that you now can differentiate the two voices. You can differentiate the ego voice from the soul voice and they're very different. Um, the ego voices chatter, it's nonstop. It's that noise you hear all the time. And sometimes it has coherent sentences and sometimes it <laughs> says things that make sense. But the still small voice, that, that clarity I wanted to say this earlier when you were talking about um, choices uh, is for me, inspiration is a choiceless choice because when that happens, it's not a linear thing. You don't get a linear thought when you're inspired. You right. get a construct, you get a concept that drops in and you have the ability to explore that in profound ways that take you to places that just can blow your mind. But in a really good way, you know what I mean? So right. you get you get these listening to yourself, listening to seeing how you connect dots in your own energy is huge because it's all driven on all of the things that we were programmed into, I call it entrained into since conception. It's not about it and, and none of that is bad, wrong, or indifferent. It is the process of our humanity. It is the process of, of what we live through. But understanding it's flawed in the sense that you're entrained into something that you have to unlearn in order to reach your potential. 
you know, and that's and that's where I think getting more and more people to recognize the need to release fear changes how parents deal with children, changes how grandparents deal with children, changes the influences they create because they're not about controlling them anymore. They're about just putting in guardrails and, and helping them become um, who they are instead of who my perception of who they are should be. Right. <laughs> Does that yes. Yeah, it's, it's, you get into a lot of that that's so helpful. And I agree with what you're saying about the self-help industry, um, because I used to work in that industry when mm -hmm. I was in my 20s. I worked for Jim Rohn, who was the guru mentor of Tony Robbins. And mm -hmm. it was very ego-driven. We're just going to punch through this thing and we're going to go for it. We're going to be positive all the time. Yeah. And I think also the self-help industry has historically been focused primarily on you're not a success unless you're making lots of money. And that just isn't yes. the truth. You know, it's not the truth. We all are starting to understand that now. And so along those lines, we have to talk about the other thing that that industry brings up, which is the elephant in the room, the F word. So could we talk about the F word, please? Uh, <laughs> which was oh, one of my favorite parts of your book. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> The F word, wow. So- It's a lot to unpack, of, I know, but it's so is. important. Ultimately, um, so the F word in this case is not fear, it's actually failure. And, um, yes. and I mean, fear is one of them, but this particular F word holds a lot of baggage. Um, it is again, that division, I think, between the will and the soul in that, we believe that there is a limited resource. We believe that there is limited, if I don't get mine, if I don't take mine, I won't get mine. Um, right. And you can't have mine and you can't have, you know, and, and so there's this limit, there's this lack consciousness that sort of exists around um, in the non-spiritual, but also in the spiritual. It's one of the biggest challenges I think people confront in their own spirituality is this idea of lack. To your point, you know, I think about like things like law of attraction, which are incredibly powerful. Right. But 90% of it is focused on money. Yes. <laughs> How do I create more money? I'm like, dude, that's not even like, that, 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 is, that is such a small component of the whole picture. Um, yeah. So failure. <sighs> failure ultimately. I'm not sure what direction to pick this up from. Um, I guess where I, when I think about failure, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like people have been kind of, as you use the word, indoctrinated into certain belief systems that if everything isn't looking wonderful, if I fall on my face and make a complete fool out of myself, and if it all just blows up in my face, then my whole life is over and ruined and I'm done for, you know? But the yeah. truth is over history, we've seen some of the great leaders and thinkers, they fell down and they fell down. They learn from those things. They take what they've learned and they get up again and eventually they succeed. And that one of the things you're talking about is there really isn't any such thing as failure. I mean, we're a soul, we're an infinite being. And so how, how is this a failure? I personally am not afraid to make a complete idiot out of myself. I've certainly done it plenty of times this year, trying to learn how to do Zoom and everything else. <laughs> and I think the more we're able to kind of just laugh at this and say, well, it is what it is. I mean, it may be a complete disaster. Hopefully it'll get better. Yeah. And I think we're starting to open up 
more people to this thinking that, you know, just do your best or just try it. And just, if you don't like it, fine. It's, you know, we're still alive. We're going to get up tomorrow. We're going to yep. get dressed and go about our day. I mean, I think it's a really important message and people just, I, it began, I think in that industry a lot that there's this perfect, or I don't know, just media and this mm -hmm. idea of this perfect thing that we're all going for that means something different to every one of us, but that, you know, we're not, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, we're yeah. infinite. Well, we're and it's set up, I think it's ultimately set up by this idea that we have to compete again, this lack yeah, consciousness. We, we are in competition with no one. Um, That's right. And, but, but if you're in lack, if you're in a lack consciousness, which is ultimately fear driven, you, you have no choice in that consciousness, but to fight. You have no con no choice in that consciousness, but to resist. Right. So it's all about judgment in the sense that in order to be a failure, you have to have judged yourself right. or someone else in context. So you have to be in competition to fail. Well, anything that's considered a competition, for instance, even if you think about the Olympics, these guys train for years and years and years and years and years to, to come together in this event to to experience a competition or to test them their metal against others of equal caliber. Right. And in the moment of that experience, again, to what I talked to before about, um, uh, about potential um, and about possibility is in every circumstance, you create the, you create your availability to the potentiality of different outcomes based on what's happening in here. So if you right. watch, and I've watched this so many times over the years with, with, with athletes, particularly in the Olympics, because you get such a close-up view of their whole process in, in that regard, that you can literally see people who have shifted out of the competition mentality into excellence. People who have moved out of the space of fear in competition and went to a space of how can I be the best me possible in this moment? And in those moments, when you're comparing your best to someone else's best, it's never about you lack and they gain. It's where you are in your own evolutionary process of understanding yourself and your body and your ability to do the thing that you're trying to do. I mean, there's so many amazing levels to this that if you are conscious of those, those processes, you begin to see how much they don't matter. Nobody right. else out there has any relevance to what I'm getting ready to do and in, in that context. So when you step into it from that space, that's the zone. That is the right. connected place that says, I am here to do the best that I can possibly do in this moment. And then somebody's going to judge that and compare it to somebody else. <laughs> Fine, well, but I don't, but I don't have to go there. I right. can show up in the best, best me possible. And that will, that experience in and of itself creates a level of satisfaction that is far greater than anything I've ever felt before. Um, when you feel that, that deep satisfaction for having reached, like th this book was that, that experience for me. Right. I, I'm not competing against anybody, but the satisfaction of, of, of holding this thing that was, was a, apparently random thought that showed up in my head four years ago, 
I don't even know how to wrap my brain around that in a, you know, other than to just be in awe. Yeah, it's an <laughs> awe-inspiring experience. It is. It's a huge accomplishment. So you should be very proud of yourself. I mean, I, I've been writing these books for so long now, and a lot of people, I, I was teaching writing workshops and things like that, and people mm. would be like, they'll start something and then they'll put it away. And um, I, I guess it's just the finishing of it is so important though, because it's giving you that feeling of accomplishment. Like you said, it's indescribable. You've taken the intangible and brought it down in physical form. It's very exciting. Well, and, and I think too, to this whole conversation, if, if you reach that point with something that you've written, if you, if you are a creative person, it's simply that the alignment changed in you and that because if you re, if you got that download, if you got that information and it showed up in your field, it's yours to claim, or as it were, it's yours to bring in as long as you can stay aligned with the energy that it is bringing in to the planet, onto the planet. That's the thing about this book for me that was like, nothing can change that I was able to bring this important information in a way that it can now be accessed, not through my ver not through me talking about it 24-7, but people can come to it in their own terms. But there is now something, at least for me, from my world, that I believe wholeheartedly will change your life because it'll change your relationship with fear. If that Absolutely. tool serves you, that's fantastic. If it doesn't serve you, that's still fantastic because somebody else's tool will somebody else's tool will resonate with you. Um, and, and so that again, there's no failure there. There is the, the win. The win is I took something that was a thought, a, a random thought and, and turned it into a physical thing. Uh, I, I don't even have words for that. It sounds so, so kind of weird, but it, uh, it is the, it, it, it is the, it is the, I'll come back to words on that. <laughs> it's cool, man. It's totally cool. And I love your, um, what you said about the Olympic athlete, like who's really in their zone. They're just, they've risen above the mundane. And I think a lot of that could also be hopefully applied to some of the situations we're going on in this world at large. I mean, it feels like everything is just burning to the ground and chaotic, but if we can come into like just rising above that, looking at humanity as a whole and bringing that calm centeredness within, then that fear-based energy begins to go away. And I think it's- I, um, May I share a perspective I have of yes, this, this whole scene with you? It's been, it's been, I'm actually gonna talk about it on my show, I think on Wednesday, that's Wednesday, yeah. Um, but so I've had this really clear kind of experience of, of we're seven and a half billion unique sparks of the divine on the planet right here, right now. But the interesting thing about that to me is that we are not seven and a half billion people. We're seven and a half billion worlds inhabiting one planet. And the reason that I say that is because nobody can live my life for me. Nobody can change my life for me. Nobody can do anything in my life for me that I don't give permission or grant some sort of acceptance for. So given that that's the case, here we have the circumstance of all that's going on in our world. And, and I believe that we are all 
even if we focus on the incident that took place last week in Washington, let's use that as an example. It's extraordinary to me that there are as many perspectives of that situation as there are people. Everyone is perceiving it through their world. And as a result, the things that are triggering to you or the things that you are reacting to are the things that are unresolved in you. Because what you are perceiving is a reflection of your world back to you. So how are you perceiving it? If you're perceiving it as conspiracy theories and 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 threatening and all of that kind of stuff, that's not the conspiracy theory and that's not the threat. It exists here. So right. the conspiracy theory aspect is telling you that there is an illusion that you're living in right now about your own ability to create your world. And you are giving that power to something or someone else because you believe you are less than that power. And beyond that is how do you, then how do you respond? Well, again, if we go back to feeling into it, if you're having a reaction, you have to stop and feel into the reaction because the reaction is only covering the belief system. It's trying to protect the thing that you don't want to release or let go of, which is the fear which is the inadequacy, which is the belief that we're not enough, which is the belief that I'm not powerful enough, which is the belief that I'm not enough enough. Because they all told me I'm not. Because they all treat me like I'm not. And I believe them, but I don't believe me. If that's not an insurrection of self, I don't know what is. I truly don't know what is. Um, Is it to say that these events are not significant or important? No but they are driven by our consciousness. We created this reality, all of us. We, in our mass conscious thought process, in our desire to line up with everybody else, created this mess. And whatever aspect of it you're focused in is the part that you contributed personally. That's not a judgment. That's not a make wrong. That That is a point in responsibility that says if you can own that, you can surrender that fear and that power can no longer control your happiness and your joy and what you create in your world. Are there things that have to be done in the physical world? Yeah, there's a process, it's already unfolding. The people who live in that world specifically are dealing with that. The rest of us should go on about the business of, of, of our own experience. Thank and to you. that end, I, I created this, this, um, this movement called My World is Good. Um, because for me, this year is about the is about the the year of conscious creation. So my world is good. Really, is all nothing more than a simple statement that is not religious. It's not political. It doesn't have anything to do with your sex. Doesn't have anything to do with your job. Doesn't have anything to do with anything except a statement of goodness that you are creating within your world. Because what I know is that if you intend it, it will have to come to pass, and the things that don't support that intention will change. So. My world is good. My world is good. My world is good. And the more of us that do that, that energy creates unification and harmony. It will not change our perspectives. It will alter them, maybe, but we still exist within our own worlds, but we are now using an energy together to create a shift in the mass consciousness, which is all the mass consciousness is. A whole group of people thinking the same thoughts over and over and over again, and it becoming the way that we live in our world. And I believe it's time for us to change that. And And it starts in here. Yep. Simply by 
That one statement is the beginning because that will set you on a path toward feeling the inspiration, toward feeling the connection to self. And then that begins to bring up the places where we're limited. And, and if we're willing to feel into those and go, wow, that's not even true. Why am I still carrying that around? <laughs> right. It's not a judgment thing. It's a surrender thing. Exactly. And an awareness thing. And the other thing you and I are on the same page about, um, because I've been doing past life regressions for a long time, I've long mm. believed in something you talk about in the book, which is, yes, we choose our experience. We choose our families mm -hmm. for the growth that we feel that we're going to, you know, achieve by being in this certain families. And I think some of the lessons yeah. we're here to learn have to do with exactly what you're talking about, to rise above the things that are surrounding us so we can tap into the divinity that's within us and be peaceful. And I and, thought that that was about, very, very good. What about the ultimate position of, of, of power in your own life? If, if you recognize that you chose the environment because the environment would best get you from, from where you were starting to where you wanted to be. How empowering is that? That regardless of what the people in that experience did, you stepped into that environment because of what they were going to do, not in spite of. So, and, and, and the ways this evidence yes. is, is so powerful because think about this, how many people do you know and I know I, 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 I did this in my own world where as a kid, as a, even as an adult, you see parents with kids and you wonder, I stop and go, how is that person a parent? Um, or, you know, like, and, and I'm sorry, it's a judgmental spot, but it's, you, you witness something that's kind of right. weird or egregious and you go, how is that child, that, that child loves that parent? That child is indelibly connected, regardless of, of any kind of crappy behavior, whether they're an alcoholic, whether they're a drug addict, whether they're the president of the United States. There is a deep bond there that regardless, there is unconditional love there. And so we will subjugate ourselves in the belief that their behavior is because of us. My parents divorce because of me my dad drinks because of me, not even close to the reality, but we have yeah. no other way to hold the lack of love in that situation because we come into that situation fully emblazoned, fully ready in, in absolute love and, and absolute unconditional love. So what happens over time is that we don't know in the context of having become physical, how do you, and being a young person who doesn't have the, the, the mental capacity yet for rational thought or rationalization says, what happened to the love? I must have done something wrong. There's no love here. Where's my love? And so it becomes a process of self-judgment against the self that thinks it created this horrible experience for themselves. Right. And that's where, that's where the healing, that's where the PTSD is. It's in this embedded belief that it was my fault somehow. And because I was there to witness it, because ultimately we know, we know without a doubt that we create our own reality. Otherwise we couldn't feel that way. Right. If we didn't know we came from absolute love, we couldn't feel that way because we have to have something to compare it against. You may not be conscious of what you're comparing it against, but the reality is you're comparing it against all that you are and saying it didn't live up, I must have done something wrong. 
and that's right. that's and that and then of course fear builds in and i'm not enough and and we continue that treadmill once again so what's the one i mean there's so much good in this book i hope everyone watching so this much. and listening to this will get out there and get a copy of this um, what's the one message you want to leave with your readers and viewers about the book regardless of how you get there from here when you change your relationship with fear, it changes everything. And I don't mean a little bit of everything. It changes everything. So do whatever you need to do. You know, this, it's so weird for me to be at this moment in my life where I have this, this brand, so to speak. But the thing that's amazing to me is that they all, they have all, they're all the same. They're just different ways of learning how to change your fear-based experience. Right. Um, whether you want to read about it, whether you want to listen to me talk about it, it doesn't matter whether you do a program, it's all the same message. It's all the same information. We are not fear. We did not come from fear. Exactly. We learned it. There, there are no two ways about that. We've learned it and we have been entrained into believing it's an inherent part of us and it is not. So the minute you change that understanding, the minute you get clear that you are not fear and it's unnecessary, you know, and again, something to clarify here because people push back on this all the time. Well, what about when you're in XYZ circumstance and your life is threatened? That is not fear right. ever. You have a mechanism in the back of your brain that is a fight or flight mechanism. The fight or flight mechanism is to my mind is, is the, not the fight or flight mechanism of itself, but the ego, the ego itself is the maintainer of the physical body. The ego is meant to be here to support keeping the body on the planet. So it uses eyes, ears, nose, fingers, and taste to scan the environment, to be interacting in the environment and to be aware of what's happening. So if there is an imminent threat, the survival mechanism can kick in. But the funny thing about the survival mechanism is that when it kicks in, you actually become superhuman, not subhuman. It releases chemicals in your body that cause you to go into states that are much greater than who you thought you were before it happened. You know, the mom that lifts the car off the baby, right. the, all of those situations, you become superhuman. So that whole, um, uh, that's superhuman. So keeping those differentiated is very clear. You Absolutely. may have a fear reaction after the fact, but that's driven not by the incident. That's driven by your beliefs about the incident that occur afterwards. So what I mean by that is your mind went back into the warehouse of the subconscious and went, we just had it. We had, oh, we had a thing. Oh, I need to press. I need to give you evidence of this thing. I need to give you supportive information about this thing so that you know how to feel about it. And so it floods you with memories. It floods you with things that, that you may not even experience, may not have even experienced, but you read about um, because the mind doesn't have a difference between any of that stuff. That's right. So it's just filing you full of stuff that is trying to support the idea that you should be afraid. When in reality, you just went through a superhuman, superhuman experience because of an outside threat, you're now physically still on the planet and your system is going to go through a change as a result of that. You released enormous amount of chemicals into your body. It's going to take time for that to process out. So that's when it's time to be quiet. That's when it's time to find activities that uplift you and strengthen you and support you 
in that moment instead of going down into the fear of the what ifs and the maybes and the what might have happened because none of that did. And that's only serving to keep you in a limited place instead of moving on from this experience to something greater. Right. Absolutely. Jim, tell us about your podcast. Where can we hear it? Tell us your website and how we can reach you. And I'm going to have the link to your book and on all of this as well. Fantastic. And, and I'm in the process of, of doing upgrades of my website. So there it's, it's up. I'm just, um, I, I uh, I'm in a process of growth now. So I'm, um, doing some things differently, but www.adventuresintruth.com is my website. And there you can find links to the book. Um, you can find out a little bit of information about the science of transformation with a link to get in touch with me if you want to, if you want to learn more about it. Um, my show, um, I do actually have, I have uh, Adventures in Truth livecast, which is my live show that I do Wednesdays and Fridays. I am on uh, Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and Fridays at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And that's Adventures in Truth. It's on E360 TV. And uh, that you can, E360 TV is an app that you can download on Apple TV, on Roku, on Amazon Fire, on uh, Android. And, uh, and it's also a .com. So it's a website you can go to. But I also simultaneously do the lives go out on Facebook and YouTube. Okay. So those lives I do two days a week. And then on Fridays and Mondays, the podcast releases. So that's about six weeks behind the live show. So um, you can go to my YouTube page, which is Adventures in Truth Livecast. You can watch all the shows there, um, but I'm on every major platform um, from Apple to Google to, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm on 15 or 20 different platforms um, all over the world. Uh, and um, those come out on Mondays and Fridays and Mondays, I think, um, yeah. I have those set up for that. So if you just prefer to listen, you can you can catch me on any of your podcast platforms at Adventures in Truth Podcast. If you like to watch, you can do it live or you can go to my YouTube page. Sounds and, amazing. Yeah. Good Fear stuff. is a choice is the book. It is absolutely a must read right now. I'm telling you. Thank you. Thank you. Jim, you are wonderful. I am sending you and Michael many, many blessings, continued success, and congrats on finishing your book. I'm Thank proud you, of you. Good job. It. And Thank we you. want another one as soon as possible. So get busy. I know. Well, Cindy and I were <laughs> Cindy and I were talking the other day and, and uh, she said, yeah, that I get this sense of another book. And I went, oh, okay. I do. <laughs> yes, please. We need it. So just went, do it. Uh, when okay, it's well, time. It's, it's going to be born. Time. Okay. It's just, you know, yeah. just prepare for the arrival. I am. <laughs> I am. Every day. I think it's all, right. uh, all this energy right now. Continue to stay focused. It's good stuff. That's amazing. All right, my dear friends, we did it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. So please take care of yourself. Stay well. And I will see you next time when we talk to another amazing guest. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hey, dear ones, it's Dr. Shelley. So I mentioned a while back that I started a new online school. Basically, my travel schedule, as you know, uh, kind of got canceled this year. And so I converted a lot of my classes to the online format. 
and I have to tell you, this has been a complete joy and a complete blast. You can come on over and check the school out at healingarts.thinkific.com. And there you will find certification programs in Egyptian energy healing, my new Pythagorean healing series, and so much more with new courses being added all the time. And when you take one of my energy healing certification courses, you are invited to come on over to Zoom and join me personally for ongoing Zoom calls. And we have been having a complete blast. We've sent healing light out to people, out to animals, situations, the world, and everything in between. It's a great community, and I want you to join us. So check it out at healingarts.thinkific.com, and I'll look forward to welcoming you to a class very soon. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. You can visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. All right, we did it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. We finished. I thank you so much for supporting this program, and I certainly hope that you can stop by my book launch. And if you want more details about my book launch and my other events that I have, please visit my website at pastlifelady.com. And there's an events tab. You can look at all of my events. But on the homepage there, you'll see my new book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. I will be doing a full program about that very soon. And in the meantime, I am sending you tons of love and blessings. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Please stay safe and take care. Namaste. Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today. <music>